I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, S.E. Fleenor. Very happy to be here this morning. Well, it's morning for me. I don't know when you're <laughs> listening to this. It's not even morning for all of our, for our guest, but it's morning for me. And in my heart, <laughs> that makes it early. Yeah. <laughs> What an intro. Uh, you know, and I'm not the only host here today. You've already heard her lovely voice, but let's welcome our, our bestie, the head bitch in charge, Sarah Sunshine. <laughs> if I'm in charge, I don't know how this is going to go because, dear <laughs> listener, I have not had coffee and it is 9 a.m. right now. So <laughs> bear with us. However, we, as you mentioned, we are across time spans today. We are breaching space and time. (laughs) (laughs) We are traveling to the future. It feels like we're traveling to both the future and the past. Yes, this is, it's, that's what it's like to not have drank coffee um, when you drink coffee every day, I think. But that's just me. Kind of like a fucked up time travel. (laughs) It's like a fucked up time travel. Yeah, yeah, that's how I'm going to call it. Um, However, one that I love. I'm here for the ride, right? So (laughs) today we have a guest with us (laughs) named Yuliana Hiri. And um, I would like you to pronounce your last name because I know that I can't do the rolling R. But uh, please introduce yourself. Let us know... um, you know, what your whole bag is, (laughs) what you do, where you're at, why you're not in our time zone, because I know that you're in a different one. Uh, Hello, I'm Juliana Hurri. Thank you. Oh my God. It's so difficult, I know, right? 
It's beautiful, though. I'm like, there's like, there's layers yeah. in that rolled R. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting to say it out loud. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm so happy to be with you guys. And I'm really grateful that you invited me for this uh, podcast. I've, I've been drinking a lot of coffee today because it's already uh, 5 p.m. in Finland. <laughs> but sun is shining. It's not like midwinter yet when it's dark all the time around. Oh, yeah. You have real dark days. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a cartoonist and a painter and I do many other things as well. So maybe you could ask me something and I could tell something more because I don't even know what to say. Yeah. No, I mean, that's how it is, right? To be a, a working artist is, you know, very few of us get to work in just one yeah. medium. So sometimes when people ask me what I'm doing, I'm like, oh, my God. Do you really need to know? Like, I do some stuff, okay? Okay? Back yeah, off. The question makes me really confused. <laughs> yeah. So something I noticed in your bio is you describe being an experimenter. I would love to know more about, you know, what does that mean for you? Is that through art or how, how where does your experimentation take place? Uh, mainly, mainly through art. Um, I think it means... Or what I thought when I was writing the bio uh, was that, that because I do comics and paintings and sometimes sculptures and installations and stuff like that, uh, I get to experiment with many different media and work on many different things. And through that, maybe uh, find some new things and new approaches to my own practice. Mm. I love that sort of, you know, working through media and discovering new possibilities. That's really cool. Because, yeah, I also read you you do um, you've done like public art, like murals and whatnot. Um, yeah, I would love to hear more about how the murals have like, you know, how have you gotten involved in them? Are they typically civic projects? And then, you know, how do you see that coming back to your cartoon work? How does like the the painting and the murals and the sculptures, how does that connect back to your cartoon work? Oh, such a difficult question. <laughs> I know. I'm like, let's keep it real easy to start. <laughs> Tell me yeah. about your soul. I'm sorry. Conceptualize. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm usually asked to come and do something and do some, like, for example, a mural somewhere. But uh, I don't think that murals are uh, the main part of my work because, I don't know, it's pretty difficult to make such a large-scaled work and to make it look kind of good I don't know if that makes any mm. sense yeah it's not my first media but I get some uh, new I don't know <laughs> some new things from the mural working to my paintings and I get some new things from paintings to my comics and all this working and like being in all the different art zones <laughs> <laughs> makes me somehow I don't know improve my own work and I don't know. Yeah, because the comics are so, like, I mean, there's not a much bigger difference, right, than you're drawing these tiny little pictures in little tiny frames and then a mural, which is going to be like wall scale. So I imagine even just conceptualizing it is a different world. Yeah, and uh, a painting is usually uh, just one image or one work. Of course, it can be series of works, but there's still individuals. And a comic is a set of images and the storyline is kind of 
I don't know, longer or more complex than in a painting. Or this is how I experience it. Yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. I was thinking that there is the way even that your art changes throughout the comic, right? Because the comic we're talking about today is the Nightingale That Never Sang. And that's um, such a beautiful title and one that I it didn't quite click with me until I had actually read the comic. And then it's like such a devastating title in a, in a way that I think is, you know, just beautiful, but of course, very sad. I had the same reaction, Sarah, where I was like, what a pretty title. Can't wait to see this cute graphic novel. And then I dug in and I was like, what a devastating title. Yeah. I love this graphic novel so much. Yeah, yeah. You like, you definitely, it's like a punch to the heart a little bit, but in a good way, right? Because I think that there's a lot of universality about this. Like there's a lot of moments of, um, yeah, just how uh, kind of, sad childhood can be and how you kind of are learning things that are terrible about the world in a way that you know you're you're only just starting to grasp right but I was thinking about how your art style changes throughout this book because uh the experimentation I think is on the page was were these stories done over a long period of time or like you know how long did it take you to pull this collection together Mm, these stories were done, uh, I think it was three years that I worked on this book because I had I was a student at that point and I had so many other things to do. <laughs> so it took me some time and I wasn't even sure I, that I'm heading to do a book. Everything came as a surprise, sort of. <laughs> the first story was the being selfish is a sin. And I think that one opened the whole storyline for me or made me do more of these stories Mm -hmm. did you feel because to me you know a lot of it it says is uh based on real events and I was wondering if you know that was a time for like exceptional self-reflection for you were you like thinking a lot on early times and how it kind of applied to what you're doing today or anything along those lines uh well yeah the being selfish is a scene, the story that I talked just about, uh, it was my grandma's story of her childhood. And then it, this story kind of made me think about my own stories similar to that one. Mm-hmm. So the more I thought about these weird childhood experiences, the more it made me remember them. And right. that's how the other stories came around. But since I didn't know I was making a book, I tried to experiment and make uh, different just testings and see how different materials would work just to like try something for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mostly in black and white. And then there's one of the stories is in this really beautiful pink wash. Like it looks absolutely gorgeous. Was that something that was added to the book later or did you paint it initially in pink? Uh, that story, the Nightingale that never sang the, that chapter, uh, I made it in Japan while I was an exchange student there. And I think the aesthetics of that place somehow took over and it made me do this looking like it, how it now looks. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? Oh, I'm like, I just got completely drawn back into this book while I was like interviewing. I was looking through, my gosh, this is beautiful. Um, 
Yeah, I was thinking a lot about how this all came to be because it was a publishing story, right? Like, it has been published and translated in several different forms from what I understand. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Like, how did it initially get picked up? And, you know, what what different forms has this book taken over the years? Uh, What do you mean by different forms? Like uh, the different versions in different languages? Yeah, exactly. Like how how has it been published? I guess like the different forms. I guess we could talk about from an oh, that's a complicated level. question. Really yeah. complicated. Oh my god, the publisher in Finland uh, sort of knew me already before I made this book, and my friend recommended me to him. And um, then I don't know. I I think I mostly had done most of the stories already uh, when I sent them to him and he was really excited. I don't know. He, he just really much liked the, the way of how I tell these stories. And then he mm-hmm. decided to publish it for some reason. Yeah. For some reason being that it's beautiful and compelling yeah. and insightful. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to artists about your own work. Yeah. I think this is a Finnish thing being humble. <laughs> Yeah. You're all so funny. You're like, I could never imagine why someone would like anything I wrote. <laughs> and it's like, because it's amazing. <laughs> but I was really surprised because the when the book came out, everybody loved it. And it was so weird because I never, ever imagined that I would get such good reviews and, I don't know, such a welcoming words and thoughts and everything. And people keep sending me messages and I kept being in, invited to interviews and stuff like that. And I never imagined that these kind of things could happen because the field of comics is, it's not that big in Finland, actually, even though we have a lot of great comic artists. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking to, because there's such a theme of animals through this and how it kind of just reminds me of whenever I was a kid, right? And animals play this huge role like they're so important to you and kind Mm. of majestic a little bit like I remember you know there was a dog that looked like Lassie I forget is that border (laughs) I forget what the name of that dog is whenever I was a kid yeah we hung out with it for one afternoon and never saw it again I have no idea what happened to this dog where it came from anything and I will probably remember that dog for the rest (laughs) of my life right and that was something that I was thinking a lot through this, how how important kind of the animals were to me as a kid. And, you know, obviously still, obviously still, because yeah. I have so many pets. But how I guess, uh, you know, animals and how they're treated and what happens to them in your childhood can really inform you going forward. And mm. um when I look back on childhood, like it, what the role that animals play, because, you know, in my childhood, I think that people uh, didn't show a great deal of respect to their pets and things like that. Right. But kids always do. Kids like think that pets are. Um, yeah, they're like everything. So I thought that that part was really interesting. Was it something that you set out in the beginning being like, I'm going to tell a bunch of stories in which, because even in the ones where it doesn't, it's like the the toy horses are huge, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that the theme of how we interact with animals and how, what animals mean to kids is so huge in this book. Um, 
that I was, it seems like, you know, it might have just been a collection of memories, but then I was like, did you think on that before you started doing these stories of like that role that you wanted to play or did it just kind of come out eventually? I think it just uh, came out somehow when I was working on this book, but I have been also thinking a lot about the relationship between humans and animals and especially kids and animals because in my own experience uh, I do agree on the part that uh, kids really like love animals and want to take care of them but they don't always know uh, how to do that like properly they think they're doing something good but then actually they're doing something really bad yeah like the 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 titular nightingale uh the idea right that to to see something weak and trying to protect it can actually make something much much worse and children don't quite have the complex reasoning around that i think it's i you know i love the animal narrative in here i think it's really it's it it gets at something that i think one of your reviewers said which i i found really beautiful which was like there's so much tenderness in these stories there's so much of that childlike discovery, right? Because it is about children discovering. Oh, shocking. Um, and and then there's also so much cruelty, right? There are adults yeah, being yeah. cruel. There are children being cruel to animals in, you know, in intentional and unintentional ways, being cruel to Barbies even, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what the question is, but for me there's something there in the tenderness and the cruelty that feels like to me like children – grappling with what it means to be human and be alive and they're sort of trying things out to to find that and you know maybe i mean generally but definitely specifically in this these narratives kids are you know making mistakes and having kind of weird little relationships with each other where you're like that's that's weird like kids are so yeah. weird and so i'm curious you know was there and, you know, I know what's this, we've been sort of swimming or dancing around this, but is there something that you're trying to specifically say about childhood here or about the way children see the world or, you know, or, or was there maybe not something you're trying to say, but was there something you discovered like through the process of creating it? Mm, I was thinking a lot about adults thinking of children as others. I find it really interesting how adults usually think that children are just children and that they they don't understand this and that when actually they do understand a lot of things, even though they do mistakes as well. And I don't don't think that we're supposed to underestimate them. And somehow I don't I don't know. Maybe these were the thoughts why I actually started this book with the experiences of children because in the beginning it was supposed to be a book about a grown up adult. Uh, guy who was remembering his childhood but then everything just sort of flipped over at what point in your process did that flip happen was it you know uh i think you said the first story was selfishness is a sin that was the first one you wrote yeah so did you figure out that it wasn't actually about the adult guy as you were writing that story or was it as the other pieces came together or something? Uh, like it was before, before I even made that uh, story, before I completed oh, so it. and before you were in conceptualization. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, I actually did a few pages in the other style about the other story, but then it just didn't feel right. <laughs> Mm. It, like you were like, I don't want to keep going here. Or there's like not something here. Oh, that's so interesting. I that's always um 
I don't remember who we were talking to about this, but recently we were talking to someone, oh, it was Izzy Wasserstein, about mm. the stories and the 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 stories you start and don't finish because it's like, you know what? I don't think there's, there's, I don't think there's <laughs> anything here that I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so what do you think is the same between that original sort of conception of this, you know, guy reflecting on his childhood? Is childhood really the real thing that's stayed constant through the the sort of change in direction? Yeah, I think so. I think that my original plan was to actually like dig into the childhood memories, but I just didn't know how to do it and what was the right way. And I haven't been in the comics field until the, I don't even remember when I started this. Um, I was, I think, 26 or something. So I found myself with doing comics when I was almost 30 years old. So I don't know. (laughs) Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Their listeners, I'm tired. <laughs> oh no, yeah, me too. I didn't want to say anything, but I am I'm so exhausted. I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, just physically, mentally. Yeah, last night I fell asleep on the couch at eight thirty. Like I'm not even kidding. And then I yeah. got into bed by nine oh seven, and I slept many, many hours. Yeah, all all people who are in the the region of millennial I think just have become geriatric like we all are just like man this has been a a long run (laughs) like we're all in our 30s we've been aging way too fast (laughs) yeah and we're all just like good god so you know like here's the thing we gotta keep we want to keep this podcast going we are keeping this podcast going and a way that you can help us is you can come support us on patreon it's patreon.com slash bitches on comics yeah you gotta type it out yeah it's all lowercase yeah you have to put every letter in it patreon.com slash bitches on comics you can join us for as little as two dollars a month now listen we give a lot of content do we give it super regularly sometimes do we give you something every week Sometimes. Do you always get a preview of our regular episodes? Sometimes. Because again, we are human beings. 
And it's so tired. (laughs) It's the thing that I'm in charge of. And the way that time (laughs) works for me is not the way that time works for the rest of the world. And it's uh, it's just a thing. And I appreciate all of your patience and SE's patience, really everybody in my personal life's patience with me whenever it comes to scheduling and not knowing what numbers mean. Um, So number (laughs) schmumbers. That's how we feel. They're number schmumbers. <laughs> so if you, you know, if you got a little extra change knocking around in your pocket, come help us out. We're over at patreon.com slash bitches on comics. And listen, Patreon used to be a platform where you just supported people and you didn't even get any content or anything for it. You just said, you know what? I believe in these people so much. I just want to support them so they can sustain their life as artists. We're not going to say you have to do that. But we are going to say there's a lot of back content. (laughs) If you join now and you have not listened to any of our Patreon episodes, you're going to be busy. So you're not going to be worried about, oh, did something come out this week? You're going to be like, listen, I'm on episode 30 (laughs) and I've got 80 more to go (laughs) because we have so many episodes on our Patreon. We appreciate everybody who joins us. Hey, if you don't have the extra money, please don't stress about it. Still go to patreon.com slash bitches on comics because listen, we have a ton of free episodes. And if you just scroll through our feed, you can find them. They're unlocked and you can tell, oh, this one's unlocked. And then you can listen and go, oh my God, I love these bitches. And that's what we're hoping for. Come join us, whether you can put in $2 or as much as you want a month, or if you just want to come for the free episodes, Come join us at patreon.com slash bitches on comics. I noticed here on the copyright page that the blue swimsuit and the clam box were both the narration was co-written with Elena Joanna Ahonen and Martilius Cauria. Respectively, yes. I'm so sorry, Alina and Martilius. <laughs> I have definitely not gotten your names right. Um, I'm, I would love to learn, like, what what was that process like? When were they brought in? What, you know, how how are they stories that you learned from them? You know, just tell me everything. I guess. <laughs> mm, uh, I made my friends read uh, the stories <laughs> I made, at, like in the beginning of the working process of this book, and I think they reflected somehow on these people especially and they had some similar experiences that I've had in their childhood so then just somehow they wanted to share their stories with me and then I made something else out of them oh very cool I really enjoyed that yeah yeah it was really nice yeah, what a neat way to bond with your your friends. Like I I love Sarah and I are buddies. Um so and also Monica who couldn't be here today. Uh, yeah. also a host of the podcast. We're all like really really good buds, you know? And it's so fun to work creatively together cuz it's like, look at your smart brain. Your brain does cool <laughs> things. Like I like that. Um yeah, how fun. So this feels like tell me where I'm wrong, Juliana. But yes. from <laughs> What what I wouldn't have known prior, like before reading the book, and that I've learned from our conversation today, is this is definitely your fiction project, but it's also in some ways a sort of story capture of like real stories from people in your life, and so it's in some ways it's fact. Some in some ways it's nonfiction, in some ways it's fiction, in some ways it's these oral stories, in some ways it's a comic. It's something that's really 
spanning a lot of things we may not think of as as coexisting and it's distinctly Mm. its own thing which I think is so fun like it's so like I didn't know what I was gonna get story to story you know what I mean like I didn't even realize they weren't all the same people for a little while I was like oh okay these are different people (laughs) but you know I'm curious for you like when did you know that it was complete when did you know you had all the pieces there and you were like this is the nightingale that never sang this is what I want it to be well, this may be a bit boring, but it was when the deadline was approaching, really. Yes, we <laughs> love a really deadline. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to stop at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I love the honesty because it's tempting to be like, well, in my brilliance. But the, honestly, sometimes it's the deadline. It's the deadline that makes you pull your shit together sometimes. <laughs> deadline gives them motivation, actually. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I need that pressure so often. Yeah. If I get like Sarah knows, if I get a flexible deadline, I'm going to keep being flexible right till the moment you say, turn your shit in. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the cover and it is just, it's so beautiful. Is this a a painting you did? How did the cover come to being? Tell me more. Oh, uh, the cover is this is once again a really complicated question and a really complicated answer <laughs> because the, the cover doesn't exist as it is uh, on this book. Uh, it's made of multiple pieces of paintings. Like I painted this collage sort of cutouts of paper and then I assembled them on a, another paper and then I colored, I don't even know, I mixed and matched on in Photoshop and I don't even know. There's so many different things in this one happening. I, I love that. It's so textured. So when you talked about having like the cutout paper, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Because you can, it's not textured. It's not actually embossed for listeners. Yeah, yeah. It is a sort of flat cover, but it it looks like it's embossed. It looks like there are layers. It looks like there are texture. And now that you explain that, that makes sense. Uh, this year I published another book in Finland and the cover is the same on that one because I made it the multiple different pages of painted layers and stuff like that. And it was exhibited in uh, just a small show in Northern Finland. And the cover is put on wall and it looks so strange because the character that's on the cover is completely separated from the backgrounds and from everything else. And it's just a bunch of different pages of different paintings and nothing looks like the cover. And then the cover is still existing. It's so weird. And it's the same with this book. (laughs) Interesting. So like the cover has a kind of life of its own outside of the collection? Uh, Sort of, yes, at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, what I was going to ask, which is, I think, connects is, is this the same cover uh, for the Finnish version of The Nightingale That Never Sang? Does it have the same cover in English and Finnish? Yes, it's the same. And it's the same in French as well. Oh, very cool. I forgot that it was translated into French. Okay, well, now that makes me want to ask. I know you did the translation into English. Did you do the translation into French? Are you a polyglot? Do you also speak French? No, I don't okay. speak French, but I did write in the translations, and it was really, really hard because I don't understand a word. <laughs> oh, so you did the lettering of, yes. of French? You wrote in a language you don't know? That's so hard. Yeah, it, it was so hard because you keep 
believing that some word is written like something and then it's not and then some somebody says to you that you need to correct this again because you again misspelled it no that would be so frustrating because you don't even have a frame of reference for it yeah oh wow because that was actually I wanted to ask about the lettering because it is so distinct and I was imagining all you so you did the lettering in Finnish you did the lettering in English and you did the lettering in French yes (laughs) what a labor of love (laughs) I'm like I'm like totally knocked back by that. I'm like shocked. <laughs> really? <laughs> It'd be so hard. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it took quite some time because all the pages are made by hand. So I needed to edit them in Photoshop to get all the Finnish writing out of them and put the English writing in. And then because I'm not very smart, <laughs> I didn't save these files in like without the English writing. So I needed to do everything again for the French version. No! <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you have you planned for that with your next book? Are you like, I actually did leave it without the lettering this time? No, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be lettering forever. Um, yes. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So I'm curious for you, you know, as a... A creator who works across different genre, different mediums, um, or media, I guess. What do you think is unique about the comic form for you as a creator? What do you come to the comic form to do that you wouldn't go to a painting to do? You wouldn't go to a mural to do? And you talked a little bit about story. Mm. Obviously, if that's still the answer, like, fuck yeah, tell me more. But, you know, is there other other things that you think of as particular to the comic form? Well, I've been studying in art schools for my whole life and doing all kind of stuff for my whole life, like painting and stuff like that. But um, I think that when I found myself with comics, because it was so late in when I was 26 or something, and uh, I think it opened for me all of my artistic practice in a new way. It was so strange because I never thought that I would be making comics ever because it's so frustrating to draw so many panels and so many like pictures of same things and it's so difficult (laughs) no I hear that from a lot of comic creators who write and draw their own work yeah because I really like to make things fast and I want to see everything happening so fast but comics was something that uh, where I needed to kind of stop and I don't know control my temper (laughs) I love it as control my temper. (laughs) (laughs) That is very relatable. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's relatable. I'm very impatient. Um, So I find longer things really hard to do, but often so fruitful. I mean, as the Nightingale that never sang has absolutely been fruitful. Yeah. So comics is something really special for me. It's, It's very different from painting, even though I do tell stories by paintings as well, but it's not the same. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not. That makes sense to me. That actually, you know, I don't know why this made me think of this question that I was having a hard time articulating, but for some reason it did. I guess story (laughs) narration, that piece, is something I love in these stories is so often the images, what we're seeing in each panel, run, I wouldn't say counter, but sort of maybe at odds from the narrative that's being overlaid, right? Like we're not hearing 
oh, my dad woke me up to ask me advice when I was 10. That's not, we're not seeing that on the page. We're seeing a kid engage in play and then sort of tell this other story. And I don't know if this is at all, I don't know if this is bullshit, but I'm going to say it. It kind of reminds me of something that I remember learning about in grad school about like the idea of therapeutic play where like children will play and then sort of tell you a story that may or may not be related to their play that helps them process like big things or trauma or death or what have you. And it kind of almost felt like you were playing with that concept, you know, maybe even without knowing, I don't I don't know how familiar you are with children's grief um, other than as like a child who grew up and has a lot of grief, at least mm. I am. <laughs> So I'm going to assume everyone is. Um, You know, I'm curious, you know, when you ran the narrative sort of in a different direction against the images, you know, the effect for me was very nostalgic, melancholy, I would say, too. Just Mm -hmm. kind of that feeling of being young and sort of narrating my thoughts in like a conscious way. Um, But I'm curious for you, like, what were you trying to do there and and – you know, what are you hoping the readers will feel when they sort of have an image and then have a narrative sort of running in a different direction? That's so interesting because I didn't, I wasn't thinking about that at all when I made this book. And I sort of uh, just found this way of narration just by working on my stories. It came to me as an accident almost. And, um, in my second book, I actually use it quite a lot. The whole book is written in that way that uh, there's the narrator telling completely different stories apart from the what's happening in the pictures. Well, what a happy accident then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's really narratively rich, you know. There's... To me, what I see is like there's a lot of space for the for narrative interpretation, for the reader to insert themselves. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, well, yeah. if there's what I'm seeing and what I'm reading are kind of like not one-to-one, then like there's room in here for interpretation, for like we're kind of guessing at what the kids' feelings might be about it, which I think is is really cool. And it makes me think of something you said, I think in like the first question we asked you today, where you talked about how these were memories people were sharing and also like memories you were constructing kind of. And there's something there too. I don't think I have the question, but maybe we'll just leave it (laughs) as like a thought for everyone to sit with is that like, there's something in the gap between the, the sort of panel and the narrative that to me reminds me of memory because Mm. sometimes I can look at like, I can, I can picture something that happened as a kid And then I'll have like a whole story that I know that goes with it. And sometimes I'll be like, but why? Like, like, why is this image, this moment in time connected to this thing that didn't happen at the same time? And Mm -hmm. I think it's because like, you know, our brains are full of like weirdness. You know, (laughs) humans are just weird. (laughs) Um, But again, it gives that melancholy feeling. It makes me feel like. Like watching a home video from Mm. like when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, this is – this is real. It's not real. Real, not real. Is that part of what I'm sort of feeling? I'm not sure. Yeah, I really like that. What you were saying about that. You were asking about the narration and the actual image stories. And um, I think the I actually start working on the narration part first. I just uh, write down the narrative, the story, the story that's going to be with the images, with the the pictured comics and then then I um 
Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I don't actually know how I decide what story will I draw in pictures. But then somehow I will uh, pick the story for <laughs> drawing in the pictures and then I will add the text to that story. I don't know. I don't know if this makes any sense. This is so weird to even speak about this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird to dissect your process and be yeah. like, what do I do first? And then I do this. No, it does make sense. And I actually think it's fascinating. Yeah, I sort of combine the stories and it's a bit even random at some point. And then I found the connections later between the two stories, between the text and between the pictures. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. I'm going to be thinking about that pro- that like sort of building it, it's like you build it sort of three times you build like the the word narrative you build like the image narrative you build the word and image narrative oh that's really cool i love it yeah and they sort of uh, the a new story is born out of those two stories combined together so it's really yes, interesting exactly. yeah. oh that's fucking exactly what i was trying to get at that i was struggling with is you're right <laughs> it's like they're each a story then they're together another story and so there's just there's so much um it's narratively rich is what I would say it feels like we can go through layer upon layer and you know we could just like spend all like the rest of time inside of these stories (laughs) because they're so so rich in that way well done you got it you got it Yuliana you got us there (laughs) Sarah did you did you have some other questions I really just um was curious what you have coming up because I loved this book and I'd love to see more. Um, It sounds like you do a lot of (laughs) different art projects, which I respect because I also do a lot of different art projects, (laughs) but it also makes it kind of hard when somebody is like, so what do you have coming up? And I'm like, what don't I have coming up? (laughs) I'm going to do all kinds of stuff. Even today, I'm going to get off this call and go do like 30 things. Um, But yeah, what do you have coming up? Is there anything that you can plug for us? Or is it, you know, I heard that you were working on another book. Um, Yeah, what are your plans for the future? What would you like to do that you haven't gotten to do yet? Well, I'm working on another book, but I'm not sure yet what it's going to be about. (laughs) And um, I'm a student again. I'm doing my second master's studies at uh, Art University. So I will have the... The graduating exhibition next year, so it's quite a busy time. Working on a book, mm-hmm. going back to school. <laughs> Exhibitions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound like a busy time. And you're about to do it in full darkness of winter. Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. Juliana, I, I, this has been lovely. I, I had such an incredible time. I... I love this this book. You know, I think I've called it a graphic novel. I've called it – I think we've called it a collection. It's kind of hard to define in some <laughs> ways. But it is – The Nightingale That Never Sang is really, truly a one-of-a-kind. That's what I'm going to say. It's a one-of-a-kind. And I think it's a, a must-read for all comic lovers. And, you know, anybody who likes to feel nostalgic or likes melancholy. Why do I love melancholy? But I do. <laughs> I do. Um <laughs> You know, if folks wanted to learn more about you, is there a website that you have and are you on any social media apps? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram with my own name, which is really hard to spell. <laughs> and <laughs> my website is also. <laughs> don't worry about spelling it. We'll put it in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Great. 
So yeah, I do have a website and Instagram account. Listeners, I will put both of those in the show notes. So all you have to do is click the three dots next to this episode name, and then you can go follow Juliana and pick up the Nightingale that never sang. Again, one of my my faves that I've read recently. Just such a a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, I can't stop thinking about the movement between black and white and then that pink palette. And I was so glad you asked about that, Sarah, because I was like, that's so <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, you know, Juliana, we're huge fans. Please, please come back. Let us know when you've got more you want to talk about. We really do love your work and are so excited to see what happens next for you. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to cry soon. (laughs) Oh, well, it's all sincere. We do know that. We love to make people cry, but only when we're serious. Yeah, we cry. We cry during episodes for sure. Oh, yeah. It's the crying podcast. We thought about renaming it, but that just felt like a lot of work. Um, Yeah. So, Sarah, thank you. You're lovely as always. Monica, we love you. Hope you're having a good day at work fighting the good fight. Kate, Mm -hmm. thanks for making us sound amazing. You are, as always, the best. Listeners, we love you. Patrons, we need you and love you. Thank you, everyone. And uh, have a great day. Or, Juliana, have a great night. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Thanks so much for having me, really. It was really good. Oh, yay. Thank you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at at Bitches on Comics and on Instagram at at Bitches on Comics. Our website is, brace yourself, bitchesoncomics.com. If you go there, you can listen to any of our episodes. And we've got other shit that we put on tabs. I don't remember what it is. I am in charge of updating the website, however, so good luck. Thanks for the heads up. I'll go to this website now. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.